Welcome to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed, Supply Chain, sponsored by EY. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. My guest today is retired Navy Rear Admiral John Polovchek, Executive Director at EY. John, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Jason, thanks for having me here today. We are talking today about supply chain and resiliency and mitigation of risks and all those things that, that we've kind of learned about over the last few years. So John, let me take a half a step back and just talk about, let's start with the current state, if you will, as much as we can talk to about the current state of the healthcare supply chain. What does it look like today? What, what's the challenges that they face? Give me kind of that top line. Jason, um, nobody wants to go back and relive COVID. I mean, the, the, if you put yourself back to March of 20, that was an awful time. Um, the, the, right? so, so nobody wants to go relive that. So everybody is rethinking supply chains. And, and really, the, the name of the game lately has been disruptions. Um, so how do, you, how do you manage and how do you build supply chains that are resilient, that can, that can withstand disruptions, whether it's be... COVID, whether it be geopolitical events, whether it be transportation disruptions, you name it, um, everybody's going to, to, to rethink that. And it really, the, some of the lessons from the pandemic, you, um, you had linear supply chains. Um, very, um, uh, you know, the, the fragilest of the fragile, some to, some to speak, and that's why the supply chains had a, had a problem. Um, I think people are now starting to see a diversified ecosystem, um, a networked dif- diversified e- ecosystem. And I, so I think, I think in healthcare, they're really starting to understand they need end-to-end visibility. They've got to get um, deeper into supplier management. Um, people, are, people are increasing things, you know, uh, things like safety stock levels. You're seeing a much more managed supply chain. Um, at the same time, people are really working on this digitally connected, right? And that's the, that's a, those are like the, the new operating models that are, I think will build, build resiliency. But, but really, what people are working on are better outcomes for practitioners and patients in that more resilient um, more resilient supply chain. The outcomes is really the focus of our conversation. But before I head there, let me take a half a step back. I was at a recent event where a bunch of uh, Defense Department folks spoke, including uh, somebody, uh, organization you probably are familiar with, the, the Navy Sea System Supply Command. And the, the commander spoke about the, this idea of supply chain illumination and this idea of understanding, managing your supply chain much better. Just give me a sense, when you talk to federal clients, how are they starting to rethink this? Because I think one of the great quotes from the other day was, uh, if you don't think supply, CEOs who don't think they they understand their supply chains are the same CEOs who think they've never been hacked. Yeah, (laughs) for for much, Jason. Glad Admiral Galinas um, was able to talk to that. I've been in talking to some uh, some of his staff uh, and I have another, another comeback with uh, some of the NAVC leadership at the end of the month. They, they are starting to realize that, that supply chains are this ecosystem. And they're starting to realize that they haven't been great customers. Um, they don't provide the right demand signal to industry. Uh, and I think about uh, the, uh, 
you know, it's a naval connection, but the president just rolled out our AUKUS commitment to build um, uh, a Virginia-class submarine for uh, build with Australia. Um, our industrial base is already struggling to make two Virginia-class and one Columbia-class. And so now you're going to add another submarine in that, into that industrial base. And so, so that was my conversation with um, the, the, some of the senior leaders that are, that are managing uh, submarine construction. And they're very interested in this end-to-end -end visibility because they know they don't have it. They know they have supply chain problems, and they want to be able to see it and manage it. There was fascinating discussions all at this recent event. I don't want to go too deep into the defense world because there's right. supply chain and healthcare goes across. There are parallels. But they, they, a lot of discussion about the industrial base and understanding the industrial base and not just eliminating the supply chain, but do we have enough? Can we deal with enough in the budget the, from, from the White House? The recent the 2024 request talks a lot about, hey, we can't really, we don't have the uh, capability to do three ships for the Navy or three submarines and two will be tough. So that's why we only requested two instead of three. There's a whole, anyways, that's a whole different path. But I want to go back to, to this idea of being better customers and understanding uh, the supply chain a little bit. How can agencies do that? How can they be better customers? Because it's not necessarily in their DNA, if you will, or, or the culture. It's, well, we buy something when we need it or, or just in time. That was, yeah, that's been yeah, the talk yeah. for the last 20 years, yeah, it feels like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so if I unpack some of these, these things during, you know, during COVID, um, you know, it, we took a look at our reliance on overseas sources. And so everybody did the, I got to onshore everything, I got to nearshore it, probably never going to happen. Um, I, I will say that, you know, the Health and Human Services team, the ASPR team, they are making progress on some of the onshore manufacturing. So, for example, I stay in contact with some folks that, that are um, building and making now nitro gloves in the United States. We were wholly dependent on uh, Asia for, for uh, nitro gloves. There's goodness there. And so Health and Human Services has understood, I, I've got to manage a medical industrial base. You saw a much more robust conversation in, in the communications between the federal government, commercial, you know, a public-private partnership. That communication is, is part of this is key. But in the end, there's a lot of manual work that went into taking these linear supply chains and trying to get healthcare workers what they need when they need it. So your question really though is, where are we going? And so, so data, I think, I think people are realizing that they have to get a handle on their data and, and that there is a digital acceptance. And so you're seeing uh, commercial healthcare moving to very high-end um, commercial applications. I won't say ERPs, but yeah, in that, in that vein. I'm not, a, I'm not always a fan of a big ERP. That's not, that's not, not what I... Not, not what I'm here to, to, to talk about, uh, but there is a digital piece. There's a data piece. Um, you see now people talking about control towers, end-to-end um, -to -end visibility, trying to get this to an enterprise level. Healthcare is now thinking about how to best use AI and machine learning in their supply chains, right? And so it's, it's those, types of, those types of things where the understanding that they really have created an ecosystem that that really should be bound by a digital connection. Um, 
Think about the, the issue that you just brought up from DOD. I pivoted right to demand forecasting. Your suppliers can't help you if you don't help them with the right forecasting. And that communication, so think about um, the public-private partnership that I established in, uh, in COVID. That was all about communication. We didn't have a means to say New York needed, uh, California needed, this regional hospital system needed. It was, I was dialing healthcare providers and talking to each individual hospitals and then, and then providing all this. It was a manual process. What if you had a digital thread that connected all that? Um, the other aspect is healthcare is moving to home health. So the future of healthcare, and I am, I am not a healthcare professional, um, I'm not a practitioner, but there's, a, there's the, the, you know, the, the vision is not everything's done in a hospital. Hospital footprints will probably be smaller. There'll be a lot of home health. How do you set up a supply chain that could be so agile that the, the delivery of the service can almost be anywhere, right? And not certainly not a, not a certain, uh, in a central location. I, I can see a time in healthcare where maybe there, uh, maybe the gig economy is helping deliver things, right? So I think there's, there's, there's a lot of changes coming. And I think in the end, you're gonna see better outcomes for patients. Pra practitioners are gonna enjoy this more. And I think if it's done right, you're going to see a whole lot more transparency. Look, during the pandemic, the question was, how many masks do I have? And I can tell you the DOD folks worked really hard on that question. It took a while to get your hands around, where's all my stuff? Nobody knew how many ventilators they had. I just think people are taking a look at that pandemic, all the other disruptions, in realizing there are better ways to do things. And the opposite, of course, is by understanding the data, better demand forecasting, you're going to reduce or lower that risk. Because what we're talking about here really is managing risks better. Because if you know what you're buying and you know the supply chain can quickly ramp up or ramp down as needed, that's also going to lower your risk. And, and I think that, that's a key piece to this conversation. Yeah, yeah the risk piece. Right? So, um, because I was an engineering major for the Navy, a lot of times <laughs> I, uh, I put things like in, in equations. I, I really believe, uh, in, um, and the EY team is, is doing a little bit of work in this area, I, I like to say resiliency equals visibility plus agility. Right? And so, so the beginning piece here, this visibility, the end-to-end -end visibility and the risk monitoring of your supply chain, there's, there's lots of tools. Everybody has a, a supply chain risk management tool on the market. That's one piece of it. The what if scenarios, the be able to, you, the, uh, the old adage, you have to be able to see a supply chain to manage it. Well, you, you really have to. Uh, and so uh, the understanding of that, the ability to do what if scenarios, the ability to have some uh, AI and forecasting in there, a central piece of it. People are also taking a step back and saying, what does my supply chain look like? How do I make it an agile network? And we talked about the forecasting. We talk about having a flexible um, architecture and a structure. It, the lesson learned from the pandemic, those linear systems really broke. I had one supplier 
I got all my stuff from this one distributor. They had one series of suppliers. That didn't serve everybody well. People are understanding that they need to rethink their operating models. Alternate sources of supply. I don't care what industry you're in, you're going to have a disruption. And if you have one source, it sounds simple, but it's really hard work. It's really hard work to diversify your sources. One of the things I find most most interesting, the other, uh, the other, the, another thing that people are working on here. There's 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 five: invisibility, this agile network, alternate source of supply, agile workforce, creating adaptive mindsets. It's kind of like you know the Marine Corps um, expeditionary, improvise, adapt, overcome. Training the workforce in more than one thing. So, so when somebody doesn't show up because they're out sick or there's been a disruption, you have, you have a workforce that can do more than one thing. And, I, and I, I found a lot of the healthcare systems during the pandemic to, to, to be, hey, I, I, I always got my stuff from this one supplier. I didn't, I, I didn't have to think through this. Creating an agile workforce that, that can do that. Cyber, cyber, cyber. Um, when you you know when you walk into a hospital and whether it's uh, going to get an X-ray, um, going to the lab, um, you like all those devices are connected to a network. It's um, it's amazing the amount of Internet of Things devices. Um, not all that not all that is today's technology, mm-hmm. and so I think healthcare systems are starting to understand that they they have. They have cyber risks that they might not have. Uh, they might not have thinking about it. I, you know, I, people get wrapped around supply chain risk management with an easy button. I just want a tool that can tell you everything. Um, financial health of my suppliers. How well are they doing? Hygiene, cyber hygiene. Is there foreign influence? Probably all of the above on on all of this. But really, the best practice is taking this risk management putting it into an organization at the right place and putting it into your processes. You have to have a process to manage this. You can. There are a lot of great tools out there, but none of them are an easy button. John, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, Just I think you bring up this idea of the right place, and I think we'll get to that in the next segment of where is that right place. But first, we'll take a break. You're listening to the discussion, Government Modernization Unleashed Supply Chain, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network. Government agencies face pressure to modernize programs and optimize operations. With EY, you can unleash the power of progress and move from strategy to execution. We are at the forefront of shaping how the government responds to complex challenges, providing technology-enabled solutions to help you transform at the federal, state, and local levels. Together, we are building a stronger country for the people. Learn more at ey.com govmod. Welcome back. You're listening to Government Modernization Unleashed, Supply Chain, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is retired Navy Rear Admiral John Polovchek, the Executive Director for EY. John, before break, you ended that segment with this idea of it's got to be at the right level. The right people have got to know. And I think that's a challenge for government. Who is that right level? Is it the Secretary? Is it the Deputy Secretary? 
Is it a, a four-star general? Is it a, a rear admiral maybe? <laughs> what is that right level and how, how do you make sure from a, uh, agencies can reach that with the right data and the right information? Jason, I think, I think everybody is realizing that um, supply chains and logistics are really important. Um, we've had a period of time where we could be, pick your word, we could be sloppy with it. We could not um, manage it uh, so specifically. Um, I see the time now that um, the supply chain, the chief supply chain officer uh, is uh, in the C-suite making, helping make the right decisions. Um, so I, I see that there are multiple levels. So you do need that, that very strong senior advocate. Uh, and then I think the supply chain and logistics considerations are then threaded through all levels of the, of the lack of better words for my deity background, the command, the company, the healthcare network. I think everybody has to understand um, and it has to be a, it has to be a part of it. It cannot just be, oh, here are my procurement people that are buying stuff. That's 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 gone. I think people have realized that they've got to get in to understand what are their supply chains doing and how are their supply chains either supporting them or not supporting. And then I think that that happens at multiple levels. So I think we're starting to see at the most senior level that realization and and threading it through everything that they do. So what you're saying to me now is I'm going to have to think of a new acronym for the Chief Supply Chain Officer, the CSCO. Something like that. All right. I love a good acronym, so don't get me wrong. I, I will. Yeah, and, and, so, and, and you're right, though, that that person or whoever that organization, that interaction they have with the secretary, the deputy secretary, I, th I think there's a recognition. And, and we're seeing this in, in, the, in the military. The four stars are getting briefed. And, and, th and that, that individual, individuals, um, have now have a seat at the table to talk about business systems. And having run um, in, on the Navy staff, having run a lot of the Navy's business systems, they, they got no traction in the, uh, in the budget cycle. Um, right? But I think here, uh, now having the, at the right level, that person can talk about the technologies needed. Let's, t let's, let's, let's talk about the technologies needed. You mentioned data, of course. You mentioned having kind of maybe that single pane of glass to understand where things are. And that single pane of glass or that system, that tool has got to tell the secretary something, but also tell the mission area something else. There's a level, there's a depth of data. Uh, what type of tools yeah. are emerging? What, 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 so, what's working? So, um, I'm going to be tool agnostic in this conversation. And we appreciate that. Right, right. But um, I think you'll see that there are three areas, and especially, I think, in the federal space, there, there are these three areas, for, especially in any kind of modernization, um, to drive outcomes for practitioners and, and, and patients. I think, I think you're going to see that they're going to reshape the end-to-end -end supply chain from disparate manual processes or disparate systems to, to I'll use the word globally, digitally enabled enterprise. Get to an enterprise. Notice, I'm not saying everybody's got to be on one ERP system. It's probably not the best fit for everybody. But you got to have a way to take these disparate systems and make sense of it. I think they got to shift the utilization of the data that they have 
from a backward-looking mechanism or metrics to real-time reporting, real-time reporting in the cloud, so they can get ready to implement predictive, to get much more predictive to this. Because in the end, we see supply chains becoming autonomous. That's not a, that's not a today, that's not a tomorrow, that's not a next week. At some point in the future, we will use the right. We'll, we will get the right um, artificial intelligence and things to get to be much more autonomous. And I, I think, I think the biggest modernization piece. Let's use technology to make this less complex. Let's make this a seamless user experience. Should be a should be an absolutely seamless user experience for the patient should be actually a very seamless user experience for the practitioner. Our supply chains are complex. Let's use technology to make them less, make them less complex. We're seeing the use of AI as an example in the Air Force right now with the predictive analytics or predictive maintenance. Oh, this part usually fails after 90 uses, whatever the number is, or after nine months. Let's go ahead and replace it. Uh, is that the same type of thing? Like, we know that if we order a thousand masks, usually in three weeks we run out. So uh, at two and a half weeks, we should have another order happening. I'm, I'm simplifying it, of course. No, you're absolutely right. You know, we're uh, um, we're for a federal agency. We're doing a predictive maintenance uh, project and really getting to the point where we're we're predicting when failures are going to happen with a eighty some odd percent um, uh, predictivity. Predictive based on the patient. Predictive based on what's going on in society. Predictive. I think I think you're going to get to a very smart healthcare system that's hooked to a uh, that's hooked to a to a very smart supply chain. I, I if you just take data, if you just take data out of the three things that I said there: reshape the end to end, get to the with the right data structure. I think, tend to think the things in like a, a now next and beyond structure, right? So, so if you were doing a modernization, I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to get that, that what I would call you know, a master data strategy, a way to get a handle on what you have today. We produce so much information. How do we get it? How do we get a handle on it today? So you can get the visibility of the assets you own today. Think about that question. Where are all the masks? And how long people struggled to answer that question. If we had harnessed the data we had today and make it visible in a structure, that question wouldn't have taken so long. Really, the next is how do I keep that data strategy? And there are you know, self-healing data models, data strategies. You, you don't want to be so prescriptive. Nobody wants a modernization that they feel like it's being done to them. You want a modernization for people and for people to be able to say, I'm doing this modernization with them, not to them. Right? So so how do you how do you get to the right and and you know, so in the next category, it's the real-time reporting. Get the people out of it. I don't care that you have this disparate system over here and you have to take information from here to here to put it in the cloud. Use a bot. Use smart devices. Get the people out of it. I was at a 
major military healthcare facility uh, a couple of months ago, and they were describing that they're still counting bottles of pills on the shelf in the pharmacy. Now, that's not everywhere. That's not everywhere. But, yeah, I have this one supply chain logistics person. She knows where everything is. It's on a spreadsheet, right? Haven't they heard of RFID? <laughs> Don't they have RFID for this? You would, you would, I'm just you asking. Would, you would, I'm not an you expert. Would, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're just like, okay, how do, I, how do we stop doing that? And the beyond is now I got the data strategy. I've got the clean data. I can really start bringing the AI and the data-driven analytics. What if I label blockchain on top of that for smart contracts? So when I buy something and it shows up, I have a complete traceable trail of where it is, what it is, how much I paid for it, and it's in my inventory and I've got the right token to prove it. Think about the data transparency and the oversight that happened there. So I, I tend to think things in a now, next, and beyond um, uh, 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 thought process. John, you mentioned early on in our discussion about outcomes, and, and let's just spend the last few minutes we have together on that issue, because that's really what we're trying to get to, is better outcomes for patients, better uh, outcomes for practitioners. Just give me a sense of how this is all gonna drive in that direction. You, you kept saying the, the user, a seamless experience for the user, Maybe start there with, with why, why this is so important for those, those groups of, of constituents. Yeah. Think about all the back office work that has to happen. Um, you're having a knee replacement surgery. My wife had knee replacement surgery uh, January. Everything that goes into setting up for that. Uh, I think about that, the, the time probably that clinician spent preparing, measuring, ordering, ensuring it's there, everybody behind that, that doctor, what if it's set up in a way where that is so seamless and that there's been an extraction of lots of man hours so the clinician can spend more time in patient care? I think that is the outcome that people are, are, are driving towards. This reduced clinical overhead. Now the chief supply chain officer has a seat at the table to drive an ROI, return on investment for the things that they want to go do. Because in the end, it means a practitioner can do more healthcare and not and not have to worry about the the back end to make sure that everything is there, everything is set up. I, I, I think from a practitioner standpoint, um, there are those kind of outcomes. I think there'll be transparency in the, in the true costs. I think there might be um, an easier way to prove compliance. Um, I understand that, you know, the, I'm, I'm making this relatively simple, but the x-ray machine, well, there has to be a certain amount of maintenance on that x-ray machine in a certain time frames to make sure it's, you know, valid and able to be able to produce the, the reading. Think about the reduction of compliance measures that might be in case if it's all embedded in a, in a technology that makes it easier. I, I just see a better outcome for, for clinicians. John, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. This has been a fascinating conversation, and we've uh, so much more to cover, so I'm sure we'll talk again soon. So let me thank my guest. Retired Navy Rear Admiral John Polovchek is the Executive Director for EY. John, as always, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate being here. 
I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Government Modernization Unleashed, Supply Chain, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search EY. Thank you for listening to the discussion Government Modernization Unleashed, Supply Chain, sponsored by EY on Federal News Network.